Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City Church, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. I could take the next hour and a half and tell you about Elaine and our experiences with her. She's a wonderful, wonderful person that we've come to know over the years. It's been I don't know, almost 20 years now since we've met Elaine. And we've, we've been on the mission field with her and seen firsthand the things that she does. She's helped to establish over 20-some churches in Mexico. And uh, she's been an apostle there. She ministers to pastors all over that region. It's amazing the, the, the work and the things that God is using Elaine to do in Mexico. And, and having seen it firsthand, I can attest to the effectiveness and the fruit that's coming forth from what she does. She, she is also over all of Mexico in the Women's Aglow movement. How many of you are familiar with Women's Aglow? Well, there's a flame of it there, and it's on fire in Mexico, and a lot of good things happening there. A lot of the churches that she's ministered to, I've been blessed enough to be able to go there and hold pastor's conferences and be in. We've seen miracles. We've seen God work. We've seen people saved. We've seen all kinds of good things happen. But... Um, you know, as I said, I could go on and on and on, but I won't do that. Many of you already know Elaine. You're, you're, you've been connected with her through prayer and through giving over the years. But for those of you who don't, I want to introduce to you Elaine Wilburn and her, 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 her precious daughter, Celeste, as they come to minister this morning. And let's just give it up for them this morning. Amen. God bless you. Come, Elaine. Saludos de los pastores preciosos de Morelia, Michoacán, donde yo vivo. I, I have to do it in English. So, Maria, I hope you know some English, do you? Okay. Okay. And this is my daughter, Celeste. She joined me uh, in uh, the end of July of last year. She's a great helper. She helps drive, and um, she can't eat the Mexican hot food. It's the only thing. And she takes good pictures and all that. And so she's she's learning. There's a lot to learn, you know, when you go on the mission field and nobody speaks your language. I went down there the very same way, and I remember I could only count to ten and no more. <laughs> and I didn't even know the name of God to say Dios. I didn't even know that to start with. So anyway, I had to figure out a lot of ways to learn it real quickly. And it still took about three years to, to get where I wanted to get to, get to third grade level. Let's put it that way. And I, always, I could tell exactly where I was as the time went on. You want to just say hi to him for a second? Hello. <laughs> I'm glad to be here in your beautiful church today to worship with you. God bless you. Okay, thank you, honey. You know, we came in October, so everything's so different now, isn't it? Praise the Lord. Uh, I feel like I've prayed about this, and I feel like I'm supposed to go a certain way to bring the book of Acts to you today. I'm not going to preach a sermon. I'm just going to talk about Acts, the book of Acts in action. I really believe that there is every one of us are in the book of Acts today. That God's writing a book and we're all in it. And and I'm not saying that I've done more than you because I haven't. Uh, we do what God uh, anoints us to do and in the time that he has us do it too. So don't, I just want to show you what God's doing in Mexico. Let's put it that way. And I'm doing everything a little bit different today. I'm going to 
do a little hat thing. I used to call it a hat dance. <laughs> I've done this for women before, but you know, we all wear different hats. And especially women, we do so many different things, but people in ministry do too, men and women. When you're in ministry, you're always filling needs and you're teaching somebody else to help fill that need so you can go on and do something else. So we're always mentoring in the ministry. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, we just thank you, Lord, for this morning and this privilege to be here, Father. I just ask you to give me clarity in everything that's said, Father, that you'll get the glory for what's going on in central Mexico in the name of Jesus. And we just ask you to bless those people there, bless the people here that are making it happen. Father, we just give you honor and glory in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, I feel like I'm supposed to talk to you just a minute about Azusa Street. What about Murphy, North Carolina? Does anybody know what I'm fixing to tell there? Let me tell it real quick. 1888, a group of Baptists came over into Tennessee called Coker Creek, and they met at a, had a camp meeting there and met on a creek, and it has 1888 on the rock right now. I know all this because... Uh, on my mother's side, my grandfather bought that in 1914, some property right by it. And that's how I know all this. But anyway, I didn't, I just knew that my daddy's uncle was one of the founders of a movement and he said, well, he's the black sheep of the family because he believes in the second sanctification. Now, that's what I was taught as a little girl. We went to visit. But uh, Will Bryant, William Bryant was my uncle, my father's uncle, great uncle for me. And uh, he moved from Murphy. They they had a lot of persecutions there. Actually, his brothers were like officials. One was mayor and one was sheriff, something like that in the, in the town of Murphy back then. And so they, they had so many persecutions because they spoke in tongues that their church was burned. And finally, my uncle William Bryant went to Cleveland and started a Bible study there. And from there evolved the Church of God, which is all over the world now. And uh, then the Church of God of Prophecy, and it just, I think the Church of God, Jerusalem Acres, I'm not sure what else. But that's what all began from that movement. But it was because when they prayed that the power of God just came down over them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they had this fire that they just couldn't hold in. And, and so, I mean, I didn't know all this then, because here I am in the Baptist church, and um, I didn't want anything to do with tongues. That was the main thing. So I read every book I could find. It took me about five years to finally say, hey, those people have something I don't have. And and I had gone before the altar uh, in the first Baptist church in Athens, Tennessee, when I was five years old, uh, when a missionary came there from Africa. So I always wanted to be a missionary. And I remember I cried. Because I wanted to go be a missionary. And all my dreams, daydreams as a kid, I was going over into some country and helping people. And I had all these daydreams that just went on all the time. I don't know if anybody else can relate to that or not. But <laughs> I think I'm a little bit crazy anyway. But I'm crazy for the Lord. That's really what it is. Okay, let's go over to Azusa Street real quick, 1906. A pastor had come there, a black pastor, uh, Seymour, William Seymour, had come from Houston and uh, gone over there to... Um, uh, Azusa went to Los Angeles, but he had met a, a woman pastor who had something he didn't have. She had the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, back then, the holiness churches believed in the sanctification uh, after after salvation, where you're giving yourself to God and asking him to make you holy and, and all this, but they didn't speak in tongues or have any of this, this part of it. So anyway, he met this, this pastor, and he was so impressed with what God was doing through her that he went on to Los Angeles. Now, there were some other people involved, but I'm going to make it real quick. Uh, so he goes there and just 
Well, his first sermon, he spoke on it. Uh, the importance of the baptism and the Holy Spirit was speaking in tongues. Well, when he went back that night to his church that he had just started pastoring that day, it was padlocked. And they said he was into false doctrine. So here he had to leave the parsonage, but there was a family that wanted to take him in. And he was young. Um, he uh, prayed a lot. He prayed five hours a day. And so one of the members, several of them were very impressed with the fire he preached with. So they invited him to their homes and he started a a meeting there, a a Bible study. And it started off so quickly. They said the floor fell through. Uh, There were so many people in that house. And so they had to move into another building. I know you've seen the picture on Azusa Street where they moved. It had been an old Methodist Episcopal church. Can you believe that? And it was, it had been converted into a stable. And then after, it was very dirty and awful and bad repair. And so they went in and fixed it up real quick and used that for a meeting place. Well, all this bad news came out about it. It was in all the papers and everything. That these holy rollers are crazy and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, the more they talked against them, the more people were curious to come. Now, the uh, superior, the officials of denominations, they didn't want their pastors to go or anybody else because this was too weird for them. But they sneaked in there. And when they sneaked in, guess what happened? They got filled with the Holy Ghost, and their lives were changed. This went on. It was the fire of God went on for three years. People came as far as 3,000 miles to get filled with the Holy Spirit. So if you have not been filled, ask God to fill you. And if you don't have this fire of God, ask him to refill you. Amen? Because we need that to keep going in this day and time. We have a day and time, and, and, and when I think about this Seymour, William Seymour, he was a black man, and it was a time when blacks and whites weren't able to go into churches together. And, but, but everybody came from all over the world, and they went out. I read his newspapers. He sent out one every month that would tell all the testimonies that had come in. They went to Africa. They went to Norway. They went to just about every country in the world, and they had great results, revival. In fact, when when they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they spoke African. Some of them did. Some of them spoke French. Some of them spoke just about every language there was. Because whoever they talked to, they talked to them in their language fluently. And, and so this is what happened to me, that when I was filled, I was ready to go to the mission field. I'd been in the Baptist church all my life, and I had helped establish a church in France when I was still 18 years old. I taught in there, I can't think what it's called, but it's, it's where all of them go together, denominations, and meet there on Sunday. And when the lady had to go back to Tennessee, uh, she asked me to take her place, and I taught. And I, I was 18 years old, and I remember the couples marveled that I knew so much of the Bible. And uh, that's all we did when I was a kid was go to church. My dad was Sunday school superintendent. My mother played the piano and taught Sunday school. So my life, I hit something. Am I good? Okay. Muy bien. Gloria a Dios. Okay. So we've gone through the book of Acts and what's going on. And some miracles are going to happen this morning. So don't get in a big hurry. Don't get too hungry. Because God's going to do something really good this morning. I'm going to illustrate. I hadn't had to do all this before. (laughs) What all I've done in the last 31 years in Mexico by using hats. Women, we all wear lots of hats, and people in ministry, we're always filling different needs. So this is my first hat. Uh, when I got down there without the language, believe this or not, because I looked like I was 20 years younger than I was. So they all thought I was like in my 20s. <laughs> and they thought I was a movie star, too. 
So they, they put me in front, even to sing and everything else. Well, I didn't know the language. So when I was with the prayer, you know, the group, I would just do the microphone like that. And, and it was, me ha tocado, si, me ha tocado. Well, I didn't know what they were saying, so I said, but I put the microphone out where they couldn't hear it. Me avocado, si, me avocado. <laughs> that was another hat, and I've already told that. <laughs> so I started out with groups. We went out every night, and we were part of a church planning teams. That's what we did was help pastors that were trying to start churches. So we went somewhere different just about every night. And it was exciting, and I, did, I knew very little of the language. But, you know, uh, once I took the hat... You want to help me with them? I'll give them to you when I get through. Once I took the singing hat, <laughs> I started learning all these songs. We had like 300 that were uh, translated into Spanish. And so when you learn a song, you're learning a lot of words there. So so that became a, a challenge was to learn the language. I had a parallel Bible. so And I knew French. So, it, you know, when I first got to Mexico, I'd open my mouth and all this French would come out. So they all thought I was a French woman. <laughs> so anyway, I learned it that just a whole lot of ways. I'd go in the Bible and see the parallel of it. What does that say in Spanish? And I can even remember the first sermon that I could understand all the way through. It was so exciting. Okay, let me give you this one, Celeste. Well, we just got all kinds of hats here, just things that we're all doing, isn't it? Well, because I had a van, and I got, somebody gave me equipment here and everything. Well, I helped the pastors with evangelistic campaigns. We held more than a 1,000. I've lost count. But we held them every single night. I, I, I would stay home at least one day because I had to rest. But many, many people came, hundreds of thousands. I, I'm not exaggerating. We quit counting when it got way up there. But hundreds of thousands came to the Lord during that time. Let's give the Lord an applause offering. Well, because I didn't speak Spanish very well, they made me a driver. And hardly any women could drive or men in that time. So one missionary had about three or four trucks, and he just set me in a truck. And, and I'd go out and pick up 39 people out of a little village and bring them in every night. So I got used to it. Uh, one time we had a campaign in Yuridia, and we had a caravan of cars. And there, a bus had gotten in front of me. So what happened, a big rock fell and, and evidently came out under the bus because it was higher. But my truck hit it, our truck, and it just, uh, they said it was like a Christmas tree underneath. It just tore everything out, the drive shaft and everything and we're on really dangerous hairpin curves and it's just going right over to the edge and I had the women in in the uh, front the cab with me we had a double cab and the ones that nursed always sat in there so I could hear everybody praying we were all praying in tongues we saw an angel as we were fixing to go off of that it was just a shadow like angel a big one that just pulled us back and it's the only way because I couldn't drive it and God saved us from going off of a big cliff. I mean, that's the way God does things. He's so neat. <laughs> Saltillo. A uh, young man was driving my very beautiful car, <laughs> station wagon, and drove us into a train. And it hit back where I was sitting. I, I went down like this so they could identify my face anyway. And, uh, you know, I tried to figure out who it was because I thought my parents would never know. And, um, and I just said, God, here I come. Well, I did. I went to heaven. 
I actually died for a while. And it was beautiful, gorgeous. I, I, I can't even describe it. It was so peaceful. So I can say heaven is real. And then God said, this is not your time yet. And then I went back through this tunnel and came back. And I looked down and saw this horribly smashed, bloody body laying there. And I, when I went into it, the pain was intolerable. It was so intense. It was like my heart was pumping out like that. But I was still alive. And, and this, is, this has been the story of my life. I have 34 that I've written, maybe 35 by now, near brushes with death. And, and God has taken care of it every time. It's, I mean, here I am. I'm walking around. Oh, praise God. <laughs> and... In 1994, I was coming in for a birthday party for me in Tennessee, and I had a flat, and I got hit by a truck, and it threw me 90 feet in the air. The police said they'd never had an adult that went that far that lived to tell about it, and I ended up in a bunch of fire ant nests or something, And, and I had broken bones and concussions and all that, but God was with me again, so let's just give him a thank offering. And another time we were driving over to Celaya and, and the police stopped us and, and, you know, had a, what you call a roadblock. And then they let us go and we were laughing. Hey, they let us go. But I heard the, I heard them back there talking and one was saying, you weren't supposed to let them go. You're going to get fired for this. And we were right in the middle of a gun battle between police and bandits. The, actually the bullets went through the windows of the van. And I mean, we're still here. I, I could tell a lot of them, but I'm, I'm going to take this hat off. That's enough. <laughs> This represents children's evangelism. So my language was so bad at times. I'd say, now kids, raise your hands when I say something bad. Uh, They all raise their hands every time I opened my mouth. It was so bad. (laughs) But they were patient with me, see. And that's how I learned the language was just studying and working it out. Hola, niños. ¿Cómo están ustedes? Tengo algo muy importante que quiero enseñarte de la Biblia. Bueno, 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 bueno. And this is what I would do with the kids. And I mean, you can't get the kids' attention here like that. But down there, the kids love it. It was great. I, I had another one here, but I'm not going to open that. But, you know, I've worked with children off and on, but the whole time I'm teaching young ones to teach them because I knew the day would come when I wouldn't be teaching them again. <laughs> but we sent them to courses so they could do it and so forth. And it was fun. Oh, the good part is when you have one call you from California and he said, and he was the one I thought would never do anything. He was always wiggling around and carrying on. And he said, I am now a pastor in California. He said, I'm serving the Lord and have a family. <laughs> we had 140 children in Reynosa, Tamaulipas. And uh, I, I never went back there. It was a real dangerous area where three or four people get killed every day. <laughs> And, and and so I always wondered, but then I just met a pastor's wife from Iriapuato, Guanajuato, and she says, I have two ladies in my church. They're like 26 and 28, and they said this blonde missionary helped him and led him to the Lord in Reynosa, Tamaulipas. So see, God, he lets us know. I'm in a time now where I'm hearing all these good things. Isn't God good? Well, let's see what we're going to go to next. Oh, well, I'll just use this one. This will be okay. No, this one. <laughs> uh, prison ministry. You know, uh, I worked in prisons for so long and had a 
um, from here in Georgia, they've sent me $1,500 worth of books. Uh, I'm sorry, I can't even think of the name of it. But we had a, a diploma for the people in prison. And we had many ministers, not many, but a number of ministers that came out of their pastors. They came out of the prison ministry because they were so young. It would take all day to go in. you got to be inspected and go through all this. And then you teach them and they all get together. And then you come out and, and it would take the whole day. But it was, it was an exciting time. And I started the school in 1993 and it's still going on. In fact, the lady that took it over just passed away, and her husband took it for her. So it's still going even today. Isn't that exciting? Well, if you're planting churches, you have to do church construction. And I've learned how to take that shovel and go, da-da-da, (laughs) da-da-da. It's a lot harder than that. (laughs) But I just got the, it has a rhythm, da-da-da. Da, da, da. You don't put it through that big mixer normally. You just mix it on the ground, and it leaves a little place that's not too nice. But uh, the main thing I did was have host construction groups so that I don't have to do all the work. <laughs> so, which one have I not used? This one? Okay. That's not the best one, but that'll work. Um, so I started inviting the construction groups down, and we had, oh, I don't know how many. I haven't counted. But we'd have three or four a year come down and help us with different degrees. Uh, Pastor Don, Jeremy, oh, he's just as handsome up there building as he is up here singing. <laughs> and he and Jessica were just as handsome beautiful, handsome, when they were teaching a pastor seminar uh, over there when they did the assembly, and Don did too, and Becky, as they are here when they're doing what they do here. So see, God uses us in different areas. Does that make you want to go? Well, we got cartels. Used to everybody say about the, what about the water in Mexico? But now they say, what about the cartels? You know, we have a, a God that is so good. And he's with us. And, you know, we have to know that if anything happens, we're going to be with him anyway. And that's the way it is. I, I can always remember our different groups coming down because this, this is a highlight. In fact, I'm going to prophesy that I really believe that Jeremy's going to do some more of this. And down to of building churches in Mexico. Praise God. Do you all receive that? Amen. You're reaching down into Mexico already, and you're going to reach down more. How many would even consider us a construction group maybe in about six, eight months? Because, see, you've been doing it here. Oh, you've got good ones here. And, and it's okay as a woman, but just don't do everything the men do. You know, if they carry a big bucket full of something heavy, carry about a third of it, or four, you know, or half at the most. Uh, remember you putting in electricity, right? I'll never forget that. Remember Felipe Fallen? Oh, gosh, we have a lot of memories, don't we? Oh, God's good, isn't he? <laughs> and then uh, I do a, what we call a children's toy project. I'm going to use this one because it reminds me of kids. 29 years we've done a children's toy project every year. The last two years we had for 1,500 kids. We had bags, that cloth bags that were donated, 
And then, of course, we had to fill them, too. And it really cost a lot of money. We had great successes. But I, I discovered I can't do all this if I'm on the field. I can't be here all the time to do all that. So we had a man that started it. But then he backed out. He moved and lost contact. So anyway, this year we're just still taking the toys. And we've already got a 1,000 up in Pennsylvania waiting on us. And um, just about medium-sized stuffed animals and dolls and cars and all that is what they like. But the good part is that these children uh, bring their parents to a party at the end of the year, and uh, they come to the Lord. So we have at least 300 or more that receive Jesus every year through the toy toys that, that are sent. So, yes, thank you. Just give the Lord a, a praise offering. And I'm going through this real quickly because of our time. Can you help me pull these apart? Uh-huh. There we go. Then one more. Okay, I did a week of impact from 2001 to 2007, and it was a whole week of activities, pastors, leadership conference. It was for Evangel Fellowship International, and their pastors would come down, and we had all these activities. We did this in neutral places because our pastors had never worked together. And, and it really helped. I was talking to John Speaker not long ago, and he said, yes, it definitely helped. But but they ministered to really thousands every time they came down. And it was exciting, but it really took three months of my year. And so it got to the point where I didn't feel like I was supposed to continue because we had a lot more activities going on by then. But uh, we've held the pastor's conferences over in Zihuatanejo ever since, and, and we held one in Morelia this past July. So that's 17 pastor's conferences, leadership conferences. Let's give the Lord a, an applause offering. Well, I organized a lot before I went to Mexico, and then with the anointing, that, that's what made all the organizing so good. Uh, I do not do national conferences anymore. They're too big. Let somebody, somebody younger do them. But um, I've organized uh, 34 women's conferences. The largest one was with Evangel in 2001. We had 1,000 women there. It's sensational. All of them were good. Uh, and we had, I've organized retreats and two national conventions. So um, we've just had a lot of good things come out of that. Um, I've ministered in a breakfast in, um, oh, come on, see, um, anyway, I'll think of it in a minute. Uh, and uh, there were, were more than 100 that came to the Lord. Actually, I had to minister on depression and uh, how to get out of depression God's way. And we had 105 women that came to the Lord. Uh, through a glow we had in Topeka. More than 100 that came to the Lord during a Mother's Day breakfast. So that's been exciting. I'm going through this real quickly because of, of the time. How many believe in miracles? God still does miracles, doesn't he? Well, and then I preach in four states. And if I want to, I can just fill up my time the whole time going out and going to different places. And God does miracles through my ministry. Uh, I, I cannot even count all the miracles that he's done. We'll check the time here, see how we're doing. Praise God, we're doing fine. Um, Sergio, Sergio had, uh, when he went to the doctor, he, he was just real successful in his business. He was, had a mechanical business where they did really well. They had a gorgeous house, beautiful children. And he's out playing ball with his children one day, and all of a sudden he hurt his back like this. He went to the doctor, and they discovered 
cancer in his spine. The doctor said it was like a real fast-growing cancer that was like a spider uh, uh, around his spine, and he, he was paralyzed already in his legs. And so he came to the Lord, and God healed him. Not, not he, he, he's not walking, but he was totally healed of the cancer that was supposed to take his life within 10 years because it was a type they could do nothing about. And they said, it has to be a miracle of God. That's the only way, but the whole church was praying. We were all praying for Sergio. He came to the Lord and was totally healed of the cancer. They went back in and couldn't find it anywhere. <laughs> Amen. Uh, diabetes is our most challenging thing in Mexico because it's such a high rate there. And, but I have seen cases where they were totally healed of diabetes, and only God can do that. Amen? Heart conditions, man, I could give you lots of cases of heart conditions where God healed them completely. They didn't have to go in for a bypass. They didn't have to go in to have this done or that done. Because God healed their hearts and restored their hearts completely. Let's give the Lord an applause offering. We have cripples that get up and walk. And can, can leave their wheelchairs. Amen. Uh, the latest thing, well, of course, he does, he takes care of, uh, uh, hearing too when they're, uh, deaf. Yeah, deaf is in eyes. And this has just happened, uh, recently. Just right before we left is everywhere we went, God just healed eyes everywhere. And uh, we've got pictures, Celeste and I, with different people that are giving their testimony that God healed their eyes last night or whenever, you know, because we'd see them again when we were doing the different ministry places. And and uh, it was just miracle after miracle after miracle. Uh, I'm one of those miracles. I've gone back uh, 11 years ago. I hadn't been to the, the doctors my mother always went to. Uh, and I went 11 years ago, and he said, well, I don't know why, but at your age, you should be getting worse, but your eyes are better. So, but he died. And, but five other doctors took his place. So I finally went back to Cleveland and went to him again. And they said, we don't understand it, but here it is 10, 11 years later, and your eyes are, mu- they're just nearly perfect. Uh, so, because I, I, I didn't want to drive at night if I needed glasses. So God is good. Just every time you clean your lens on your glasses or anything, just just thank God that you're totally, totally healed, that you have your vision. Because it, it, it doesn't have to go with age. Uh, people tell you, doctors tell you, everybody tells you, oh, with your age, you can't do that and you can't do this. Well, I fell and broke my hip in three places three years ago and I was in a wheelchair. I want to tell you what, I had the best year in Mexico. Everybody wanted to help me. Everybody went in that big old van with me. They helped me down. They carried my Bible. It was, we had more miracles. I had oil because I had to sit down to pray for the people. I had oil all over my dress. But we had more miracles that we just couldn't even hardly believe it, that God did so many miracles. And here I was in a wheelchair. (laughs) Isn't he good? Praise God. (laughs) And sometimes I wear up to five hats, but the whole idea is that you're training somebody to take your place because you can't do those hats forever, you know? Okay, let's just stand up for a moment. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You know, I could talk all day about the mission field because there's been so many miracles. I, uh, I can't even. Okay, let me give one more miracle. 
Edgar. Edgar came to church, and he was so broke. He had been vice president of a bank, and he got into something. I think it was crooked, and he lost a whole lot of money. He owed uh, 100,000, more than 100,000 pesos. And, you know, he didn't have food for his family, had two beautiful children, and he was just broken. He had been a Christian, but he had backslidden. And he came back to the Lord, and I said, somebody needs a financial miracle. When I go like this, nobody wants to raise their hand. I said, I need one. So when I say that, they'll come. Here came Edgar. And the week after that, each bank called him. Now, this is unheard of in Mexico, and said, if you'll pay this amount, and it was a very small amount, we'll erase your whole debt. And he, every one of his credit cards were taken care of. His aunt helped him, and he paid every one of them off, just a fraction of it. Nobody else's that's ever happened to in Mexico that we know of. But God does things his way. He has five businesses now over at Zihuatanejo. See, this is the way God does things. He takes us when we're broken, and he restores us. He takes us when we have conditions. Some people said, well, I don't have a disease. Well, maybe you have a condition, just three months of condition. Well, that's like an infirmity. Both of those diseases and conditions are called infirmities in the Bible. So you have an infirmity, and God wants to heal you. And it doesn't matter what it is, and we don't have to pray for 20 minutes or anything. God will just do it like that. Do you believe that? That God does the same miracles here in in this part of the country as he does in Mexico. I mean, the Mexicans aren't special. They just don't have the money to do what? They don't have insurance. They don't have all those things. So they have to put their faith in God. And it took me a while to get there for that. I'm not going to believe in my doctors. I'm not going to believe in my insurance. I'm going to believe in God. And, I mean, even before I went on the mission field, he healed me of so many things. And he'll do it for you, too. You know, you're, you're worthy. I'm not special. I'm just a child of God like you are. So God will do it for you. Okay, uh, let, let's just pray for a minute. And I'm You've been listening to Destiny City Church, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. For more information, visit us online at destinycity.org.